we're recording. And Jeremy, firstly, I should say thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. We don't have, strangely enough, a funny jingle or anything like that. So I'm not going to pause and say, here's the time for the jingle. I just remind people that they... You want me to sing one? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, well, you can sing one if you want. <laughs> oh, no, I have no musical no, talent. No, I just wanted to, I wanted to be of service to I appreciate, I appreciate the offer. Um, maybe at some point at a conference somewhere, we can just get a group of people together. I know there's a guy that plays saxophone. There's plenty of people that are around that are musical, but definitely go. more musical talented than us, obviously. Um, but thanks so much for coming. Um, this is the YouTube success podcast, and it's really for people that are getting started or that have channels and they would just want to know how to grow them more. And so I was really excited when we talked largely because we had dinner together and I was fascinated by your story anyway. Um, but then when you offered to come on the show, I thought, well, I liked the idea about five minute social media. So because I've seen this in other industries as well, and without going into it at, right now, I wanted to talk about that in this show. Before we do any of that stuff, could you introduce yourself? And I know this is always difficult to talk about yourself, but introduce yourself as best as you can. And I might just prompt you here and there as you go through your story. Yeah. So my name is Jerry Potter and it does rhyme with the boy wizard. And uh, I founded this YouTube channel called Five Minute Social Media. Before that, I got fired one and a half times, as I like to say. And I really wanted a way to help other people use social media to make sure that they never had to get fired or more specifically lose their business because they couldn't figure out how to market it on social media. Excellent. Can you tell me a bit more, actually, can you go further back and tell me more about your past? You had a conversation. Am I right in thinking you told me about being a radio presenter? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that as well. And I'll tell you, it's a loaded question, really, because actually when I talk to people about YouTube and they're getting started, they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. And so when you see people like Jerry or myself, who's done lots of public speaking, you can be like, oh, my God, they're so great at what they do and how they present themselves, all that kind of stuff. Actually, there's more to it than that. And so if you could tell me a little bit more about your sort of professional history as well. Yeah. So I started off in radio and I'll start at the beginning because the first time I ever had to go and speak in any form, I was 16 years old. I was at my high school, had a radio station and they're like, okay, it's your turn. You're going to go on the air and you got to read the news. And I was so nervous. And so imagine being a 16 year old, right? All you care about is, oh, I got to be cool. And I hope my friends like me. And you know, all of the self-esteem issues that come with being a teenager. And I went out and I grabbed my teacher who was a woman in her fifties probably. And I said, please don't tell anybody this, but will you come hold my hand while I read the news? I'm so nervous. And so she came in and she did. And I survived this newscast and my voice squeaked, I'm sure, like crazy. And just for reference, you know, people say, oh, well, that was the radio. That's, you know, that could have been all these people. No, this was a high school radio station. You probably have more people following you on YouTube already, even if you barely started a channel than listen to that radio station. But that's how terrified I was. And so, yes, I have been doing this for a long time. And so I worked in radio and TV uh, a little bit as well for over 20 years. The industry changed a lot. I was looking for something more stable because I had two young kids and wanted something more stable for my family. And so I ended up getting out of radio and I got a job at an agency. And I actually sent them a video that I had made. It's the only reason I think that they even considered interviewing me. And we met and they said, 
we got to create something for you. So they said, we want to hire you. We don't know what it's for. What's your position going to be? And I was like, I don't know. Creative director sounds cool. And they were like, okay, great. You're the creative director. So it was this startup agency. It was really great though, because I got to go in and I got to play. But I got to the point where somebody, or where my boss took me out to lunch. She said, we're bringing on all these new clients and it's so great. And they're bigger than the clients we have now. And I'm going, oh my gosh, here we go. It's happening. I'm the creative director for this big time agency. Or it's going to be this big time agency. And I said, oh my God, cool. Who's going to take on all these people? And she said, you have to. And I was like, I'm already like, we talked about work-life balance. I'm already working 45, 50 hours a week. And she said, well, if you can't take on these clients, I can't keep paying. And so that was the beginning of me trying to figure out how to be more efficient with social media. Yes. The good news is I figured it out. A couple years later, I just thought YouTube sounded fun and scary, terrifying, but it sounded fun. And so I decided to start this YouTube channel called 5-Minute Social Media. And I just want to see if I can help other people with this so nobody else has to get fired or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I started putting out videos and I overthought everything to death. And boy, did nobody care in the beginning. And so just for perspective, whenever I commit to something, I always tell myself, okay, I'm going to give this. I mean, it depends on what it is. But for this kind of thing is I'm going to do this for a year, no matter how good or bad it's going to be. I'm just going to stick with it for a full year because otherwise you don't know. Like if you, every time you think something's not working, you're never going to get anywhere. And so I'm glad I made that commitment because otherwise I would have quit multiple times. You know, I think three months in, I was sitting at 17 subscribers. And some of the few of those were probably dummy accounts that I made and subscribed to the channel just to make it look good. And finally, six months in, I hit 100 subscribers. And I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I got 100 subscribers. And I'd put out a video every week. I was going to ask that question. That. Were you actually yeah. consistent during that time as well? That was part of my commitment to myself. I'm going to yeah. do this for a year. I'm going to put out 52 videos and we can talk more about what went into those. But I put out you know, a video. And so six months, it took me to get to 100. I was like, oh my gosh, I made it to 100. Maybe in another year, I could have 200. Well, then it started to go. A month later, I had 1,000. A year later, I had 10,000. And so that's kind of how YouTube works. And we see all these stories of these people that are like, new channel, million subscribers in 60 days. And it's like, for those that are actually telling the truth, yeah, it's possible, but it's not likely. And that's not a reason to not do it. You just have to know that YouTube really is about building. It's the long game. Yeah. And I know I could quit YouTube today and I'd still make money off it for years yeah. to come. And you know part. that, I think... You know, when I'm doing these interviews and I'm asking people to come along, I always like hope they give something of just one really great tip of value. The thing you just said there about, don't worry, the interview's not done, by the way, but the thing you just said there about the fact that you committed to that year, I think it's difficult right now with TikTok and Reels and the instant gratification from some of these short-form platforms to imagine committing for a year when you want instant results, right? So you, you said... You sent a video to the creative director job. You sent a video. Do you know what, do you remember when that was? What year was that roughly? Um, that would have been in 2015. Okay, right. So, and, so you'd already committed yeah. to video by that time. You already knew that video was a good form of something to send. That. Oh, for sure. But that was just, it was something that I had done for fun when we were yeah. in uh, a couple of videos I'd done for fun when we were in radio, but that I, I made a video specifically to stand out. Uh, to try and get an interview okay. because I had zero experience officially in marketing. Yeah. In radio and TV, obviously, I, I i mean, I was a lifelong content creator and I knew how to get engagement and I understood marketing and all of that, but I had none of that on my resume. 
So yeah, video, I mean, as I'm sure you've talked about, video is the great trust accelerator, right? Yeah. There's so much psychology around if, you know, if you're watching this right now, it, it feels like we're sitting next to each other. And so the trust level goes up so much faster versus anything that's been written. And now with AI, you know, does anybody trust yeah. anything written anymore? <laughs> this is the reason why I say the podcast, it's on YouTube now. You, you know, you can go and watch this. If you're listening to it, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch it as well. Because I want people to be able to see the guests. You know, when I've listened to, we'll talk about social media examiner maybe later, but when I listen to that podcast and, and I wanted to see some of the guests, like I don't know who they are. And sometimes I'm like, I'm really excited about the person that's being interviewed. I'm like, oh, I just don't know what, and I forget. And then I don't know what they look like or whatever. So I wanted to make sure that we film these from the start. Yes. But So are you committed to this year long uh, journey really? And, and again, when was that roughly that you started? It looks like six years ago. So. Yeah. Well, I created the channel in May of 2017. There you go. Yeah. And I was like, all right, here we go. Then I rethought and reshot all of my videos for three months instead of publishing like I should have. And then I started actually officially in August of 2017 just to put up a bunch of videos that nobody saw. Yeah. So if you take away one thing, just start. The beginning doesn't matter and you can't get better at certain things until you start. Oh my God. I've got so many people in my membership or who I've coached over the last, I don't know, 18 months. And I'm just like, guys, I know you want to be perfectionists. I know you're planning. And every time they come to the call and say, oh, I've just been planning this, I've been planning that. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, when you get the first video out, there's like a shift in your body almost that you've made that mark on the world and that you're going to then go and improve it. And I'm sure, Jerry, maybe it's not the case for you, but certainly for me, if I go back even six months, I watch those videos, I'm like, oh my God, I hate them. You know, I can't stand to look at them. Maybe you're glad that nobody watched the first few, you know, but of course you're going to feel like that and you should feel like it as you evolve with your content, but you've got to get it out there. That's the, the hardest part. Do you think your background in uh, TV and, and radio helped you feel less worried maybe about getting it out there or what do you think it, it like because there's a mental thing going on there so can you yeah do you remember can you talk about any of that stuff you'd think it would right you'd think it would and i would argue that it wouldn't and actually i brought a camera confidence coach into one of my programs just earlier this week a female camera confidence coach because i know it's different for women than men and i wanted to get both sides of this but she is like currently working in television and i asked her a similar question and I said, hey, do you, you know, you're in TV. Of course you're good on camera. And, and I'll tell you what she said. And then I'll tell you, you know, the way I started too. She said, oh, I started making videos like we make on TV. And they just bombed. Nobody cared. They were too polished and all of that. And then I just started like being myself and filming videos in my room. She started during the pandemic. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, she's cool. I like her. And so for me, honestly, I felt more pressure because I had been this, you know, <laughs> semi-professional broadcaster. I mean, I don't know. I look back at what we did. It was so fun. It didn't feel like work. But because of that, I felt like there was this higher expectation that, oh, whatever they do has got to be great. Because I went from having an audience of, in some cases, hundreds of thousands on the radio and things like that to having this YouTube channel with 17 subscribers after three months. And so I actually felt more pressure there. But the other thing too is, I think not having that experience because of the day and age of authenticity that we're in, and yes, I know authenticity has become a little bit of a cliche in the creator world, but because of the day and age that we're in, it's almost, I think it's an advantage to not have all of that and just get started. 
Yeah, and and I like that idea because we are both in studios of sorts and or home studios, what we've made up ourselves. And so, again, people can look at that and think, is that what I need to succeed? Is that what I need to move ahead? Actually, we both know that's not the case. You know, the authentic way of just filming stuff as you go is probably enough for most people to get started anyway. And I often say to people who struggle with long form, I'm like, well, can you do short form for one minute just on your phone? Don't worry about the tech or anything else. Let's just get you started with the creative process. And then eventually yeah. you start to feel what it's like to, oh, maybe if I had this thing in or if I had that thing, if I had some nice lighting or something, that all comes later on, right? You don't need to prep for all of that stuff ahead of time. Well, and when you said for people listening to the podcast, when you said, do I need all of this stuff, the lights and the decorated wall and all of that kind of stuff, I was violently shaking my head no. And because you really just, it's the same thing that we do, I think, in health and fitness. We're like, I'm going to get in shape. All right, I got to research gyms. I got to get the right shoes. I got to get a cute outfit. I got to get protein shakes. I got to, you know, no, you just have to walk out the yeah. door and go, right? I heard a great quote a couple of weeks ago and it was uh, procrastination is perfectionism in a fancy outfit. You know, like we just have to get going with this stuff. And for reference, my first videos, I had a $15 microphone that I got that plugged into my phone and I stood in front of a window for light and that's it. That's all I had. And uh, that's what I started the channel with. And I did that for a long time. Now, as it, as you go, you know, there were other things that were part of that. I had to wait for a cloudy day. So the light was like even, right? And I wasn't squinting. I had to ask my wife to take my two kids somewhere else because I still had a full-time job, you know, during the day normally. So I, I had to have them leave the house. I had to, you know, like it was all of this setup. Now it's nice to have a setup where you can walk in, turn it on and just start recording. But you don't need that in the beginning. You need a window and a phone. And then the next thing I tell people, I'm like, get a headset or something to get slightly better sound and just go. Yeah. And the the fancy setup, I guess, is more about convenience. It's, it's more about learning that if you have something that's easy to come in, like I've got a button on my camera to turn on, I press the button on my stream deck to turn my lights on, and I'm ready to go. And that's, for me, as convenient in an office as it is as picking your mobile phone up and, and just recording that way. Um, and I always describe it as like being a lazy videographer. You know, I don't want to have to spend so much time. And I don't know if you've been in a situation where you've had set up a bunch of equipment from scratch and it takes like an hour and then oh, your yeah. energy, you can just, if there was like a meter of energy, it'd just be slowly draining out of you. And by the time you stand in front of the camera, you're like, oh my God, I cannot film now. You know, I've got no energy. I'm dying inside. So oh, yeah. yeah, it can definitely be difficult. All right. So and one more thing, one more thing on that too is, you know, when you're in the beginning, I mean, I had a full-time job. My wife worked evenings, so I was basically single dad in the evenings for pickup, and daycare pickup and dinner routine and all of that until she got home. And so I did all this on the side and batching was so important. Yeah. You know, when you do get set up, try and crank through as many videos as, I can, as you can. So I would try and, and write videos ahead of time or bullet point them. And then I would try and record like 12 videos in a day. And then I would just edit them each week as they came out. Yeah, that's great. Actually, it is a good segue to talk about five minute socials. So like, I think, again, we think that everything has to be perfect. And so you can spend so much time trying to perfect the, the one thing. But do, do you find that batching, uh, it, for anyone that don't know, batching is just filming a bunch of videos at the same time, right? And, 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 and getting yourself ahead of the game because life gets in the way. If you're like Jerry and you're committed to the year, then the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is film one video and then have to film another one the next week. 
because yeah. anytime life gets in the way or you go on holiday, you're in a bit of a situation where you're not consistent. You've missed a week. And once you've missed one week, it turns into two weeks. And before you know it, you fell off the wagon. You're not committed. You're not posting anymore. So batching just gives you a way to, and you can still film, you know, when the motivation or inspiration comes to you in between those videos that you've already got, maybe you want to film something that's a news jacking kind of thing, you know, something happens in the moment. But you've still got that underlying list of, of videos. And actually, when I'm doing this and when we set this up, this is number 12 on my list for the podcast. Mm. And I've still got three before it that I've not filmed yet. So now, but I know it's mm. number 12 because I know I'm filming the three tomorrow. So it, okay. it's about it's about like planning ahead. But it means that now I know roughly when the date is that it's going to be published. And it, and it means that I know when I go on holiday, I've got all of those things ahead of time. So I love the idea of batch filming. It's definitely, definitely important. So five minutes social, just let's just start with that and tell us where the idea came from then first. Well, I mean, I wish it was like a really cool story, but it really kind of came down to what domain was available <laughs> on GoDaddy was kind of part of it. But I've always been an efficiency geek and I, you know, time management, all of that. And Obviously, I sort of had this fire lit by the idea that I was going to lose my job if I couldn't figure out how to be more efficient on social media. And the other thing that I noticed, I didn't do a lot of market research because I don't think I mentioned this before, but this was just a hobby. I had no intention of being a business owner. It was just a hobby when I started. But I wanted, I did a little bit of research and I saw that the majority of the marketing tutorials and content around social media were talking about everything with best practices as though that was your full-time job. Like you are a marketing director or that's all you did. And nobody seemed to be talking to the business owners, the entrepreneurs that were doing it as a side hustle on top of everything else that they were doing or the full-time entrepreneurs mainly who already had 39 hours a week filled with client work and all of the admin and everything else they were doing. And so my main goal was to come out and show people, hey, here's what you can do if you do it right in a couple of hours a week. And so the name actually did end up, I was like, well, what could I tie with social media? I went in and, and found the domain. I was like, okay, I guess it's five minute social media. Part of me liked the, you know, sometimes I abbreviate it as FMSM. And so the radio guy in me, part of like the fact that FM <laughs> was part of it. All my friends immediately told me they were going to start uh, creating brands called four minute social media and three minute social media and undercut me and put me out of business. But None of them have done that so far. So that was the idea behind it. And it was just like, hey, let's make some quick, efficient tutorials to help people do things quickly with a focus on, I don't think this is your full-time job. I think you're trying to do this on top of everything else that you do in your business. And it obviously resonated, took a while for the algorithm to kind of recognize it. And now looking back, I'm so grateful because now that I am an entrepreneur, I can't imagine ever having to go back to being an employee and i loved being an employee before yeah. too. well I, so and you're on 145,000 subscribers something like that now but and, and what i want the people listening to think about is probably the most common objection i get to youtube is i do not have enough time and what jerry's just described there is a, a, that exact answer to that problem you know Doing this alongside a full-time job, being a dad in the evenings as well. Like the debt, you know, when people say they don't have time, like you, you almost can't tell them that they do because you don't know the position they're in. So you can't just say, well, you do, right. you have the same time as me. I hate it when people say you've got the same amount of time as me because I'm like, well, it's not entirely right. true. But 
really can you not find the five minutes and we talked about the setups and the way we could just come in here and I can turn the lights on, turn my camera on and, and do the setup. But in the same way for you, probably longer than five minutes if you've got to wait for the clouds to come in and, and balance the lighting on your face. But it's five minutes. So even if you can't batch film, maybe you've not got an hour to do 12 of those episodes and you could just do like two in a day and then build up that bank until you have got like eight or 10 episodes and then start publishing. And you could just do yeah. that five minutes a day. So in a week, you've got seven episodes. In two weeks, you, you've got enough there to launch a channel, I would say. So really, anyone that's listening, just take that as... And what could be the five-minute thing in your industry as well? Like, you know, all the people that I work with are in different industries, different niches. Like, think about what you could do in just five minutes' time. And I t this is what I tell people. I say, the first 12 videos always just answer the most common questions that you get asked in a short amount of time, yeah. five to 15 minutes is what I say. Okay, so I looked at your stats and of course I'm using VidIQ, TubeBuddy, whatever. I can't remember which plugin I actually to see it. So it's only a guesstimate, but it looks as though you're getting about a thousand new subscribers per month, 80,000 views per month right now. And that comes from your strategy. And I suppose we've heard your strategy. Do you think in the last six years you've stuck to that strategy the entire time? Has there been any certain gaps in there, any, anything where life did get in the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So until I hit the 100,000 subscriber mark, which I think was March of 2021, so it took me about three and a half years to get to 100,000 subscribers. Until I hit that, I was consistent with a video every week. There were no shorts to worry about then. There wasn't all of this other stuff. I literally just put out one video every week. And I think for people that are worried about time, you know, same thing with all the social media platforms. When I coach people, figure out the thing that you know that works. And if you put out a good video that somebody is searching for on YouTube, eventually, you know, and you're consistent, it will get found. And so that's all I focused on. That being said, YouTube has evolved and I have not evolved my strategy nearly as much as I should have, or definitely not as much as I could have. But what I did in the beginning is still working in the last two years. What have we heard more than anything else? Thumbnails, thumbnails, thumbnails. What was it? Mr. B spends $150,000 researching every thumbnail or something insane like that. I'm still using almost the same thumbnail format from the beginning just because it's in my workflow and I just haven't had time to go back to it. I think consistency is more important than all of that. But once you do get established, you can get to the point where life gets in the way. You know, we during COVID, we ended up road tripping and sort of quarantining in different places to keep life a little bit more interesting. And I thought, I'm going to film all these videos on the road. It didn't happen. So I missed. If I started, what would it be? Just over six years ago now, and I should have, not counting shorts, I should have 300 and, I don't know, 20, 30 videos. There's not. I've absolutely missed stuff yeah. along the way. But the biggest thing is you figure out what works and then you just stick with it. Yeah, I, to I totally agree. And, and it's definitely paid off, um, even if you had that time where you missed. And, and by the way, that trip sounded amazing. So uh, don't, don't, I'm not surprised that you took a gap there. Um, so you, you mentioned something there that I just wanted to pick up on. You mentioned workflow and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, of course, asking you about it. Um, could, could you describe your workflow? And again, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know what a workflow is, it's really the process from sort of ideation and thinking about what you're going to uh, film right through to filming, editing, Prom promoting that video that's a workflow in it in a nutshell so i just wondered what yours was jerry because i think some people 
They will have a team. You talked about Mr. Beast. He's got producers. He's got all sorts of people that will oh, work yeah. on that. He's got thumbnail artists that are dedicated to that stuff. For people like me and maybe some other people that have either no team or a small team, what's your kind of workflow look like? So in the beginning, you know, we talked about, I, I, I'll, I won't go through quickly, but I want to tell you what I did in the beginning versus what I'm doing yeah. now. Um, and I think because I'm obsessed with efficiency, they both have a lot of that in there. But we talked about batching. It's not just the batch filming. You can batch the other parts too. And so for in the beginning, what I would do is I would find time. Sometimes it was after the kids went to bed. And I would, you know, I'd always write down if I had a video idea. But then I would research the keywords. What am I going to call this video? What's going to go into it? And so I would figure out, let's say, my 10 videos in a session doing that. Then another time, or sometimes it might take a couple of sessions, I would come back and I would bullet point out the videos. Uh, I think that uh, bullet pointing and editing is way faster than memorizing. Not to mention, I think the delivery comes across better. So or you script, can call scripting. scripting, yeah. So yeah. That, that's the other, yeah, the other yeah. way people would do it, I guess. Yeah. So I think he was going to yeah. go into that. Yeah. So that was a separate session. And then I would set up and I would record, like I said, a batch of like 10 of them that would last me a few months. And then each week I would sit down and I would edit the videos myself using uh, Camtasia. I chose Camtasia at the time because it had, it was, I think at the time, arguably one of the best for recording your screen and adding things to it. Because I was doing a lot of how to set up a Facebook business page and how to look at your Instagram insights and things like that. And so I, I, that's what I needed was something where I could do that. Um, and it worked great. And I did that for years and years. Uh, eventually, I hired an editor and the work, rest of the workflow didn't change other than I would send it to my editor and they would edit. Here's what I'm doing now. And this is what I think because technology is so much better than it was six years ago now. Um, anybody can do. I am recording my videos and this is still in flux and I don't usually like to talk about stuff until I've like perfected it. I certainly wouldn't teach it or charge somebody to learn it or anything like that until I perfected it. But I'm recording my YouTube videos using my webcam straight into Descript and editing them in there. Descript, I think I only use like 1% of Descript's potential and I've found so many things. You can create these templates for your graphics so graphics are quick and easy to you know drop in. If you're not familiar with Descript, they came on the scene as the, they make a transcript, you edit the document of your transcript and it edits the video to match. You can remove all the silence in a couple of clicks. And so these nice jump cut videos that we're used to seeing that we all want can be made in minutes in something that used to take hours and hours before. And so that's what I think is the potential for people today that I didn't have six years ago. Now, the next level on top of that is to use a tool like, you know, the, like a cam, a virtual webcam tool, I guess that, like, what would you call like eCam Live? Yeah, yeah, virtual camera, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. And, and some of those will allow you to like switch cameras and scenes and things like that. And so now I use that, I still record into the script, but I've been playing around with actually having two webcams and switching between them. Yeah. And so by the time I'm done filming the video, like maybe filming takes a little bit more time, but the editing is like a eight minute process at that point. And that's for like full videos that I've gotten my shorts editing time down to like two minutes yeah. because of templates and things that are. Have you tried so Opus Clips yet? I, no, I've heard of it. Okay. But not... So I'll link to the script in the show notes and to Opus Clips as well. Uh, Opus Clips will take a video and it will create lots of shorts out of that and give you a virality score as well. And you just literally mm. upload the video and drop it in there and away it goes. I believe I heard don't know if it was uh, on the grapevine or whether it was from one of the guys at Opus that they are looking at Descript direct to Opus 
as another mm. integration. So that sounds exciting. But, you know, I love the story you just told because I teach Camtasia in vi video editing school is a course that I've got. And I teach in Camtasia because oh, okay. I think it's the easiest, most simple but powerful editor. And my content repurposing school is uh, Descript because that was the logical next step for me as well, you know. The best, and then yeah. workflow-wise, that's, again, when we talk about evolving your filming and how your videos evolve, actually your workflow evolves as well. And you find better ways to do things, more efficient ways. And it might be that you outsource to an editor, like Jerry says, but actually it could be that you just find a better piece of software like Descript. When we discovered Descript, it replaced like five pieces of software we were using. You know, our workflow was all over the place, but now we just use yeah. uh, Descript to do the majority of that. So great. Thanks. And, and I don't, hopefully he's not listening, but I don't send as much to my editor anymore yeah. because I can do it. You know, in the time I could create the project for him to do, I can do it in Descript myself. Yeah, yeah. And so there's just this massive advantage now. And about every quarter, these AI tools, like I assume the like Opus Clips yeah. is, they get better and better. So about once a quarter, I'll sort of do an analysis and an audit. I'm still yet to see one where they'll generate a bunch of clips and I'll go, yep, I'll put those up. And that's the recovering perfectionist. In yeah, me, yeah. Um, no, I hit, but I'll check I it out. It sounds cool. That. And I, I think Opus is probably the one that people are talking about the most because it's pretty good at getting the clips that you want. But again, when I've hired someone to go through that process of looking at the, you know, like this interview, for example, to go through the whole interview and then pick out the we used to do timestamps, so it would be like one minute and three seconds to one minute and 45 seconds after the clip. I still think yeah. the human eye and the intelligence about the context of the conversation is better, but who knows with AI where it's going to go, whether it would be, do a better job than what my editors and stuff will do. And I still think there's... Yeah, well... Go and, on, wait for it. Oh, sorry, you know, just, I mean, on that, you know, one of the things that I do when I teach how to be more efficient with your content, because we talk about, you know, we cross over a lot, obviously. I talk about repurposing and that kind of stuff. And one thing I think is you can plan your content. It's much easier because you described like taking this episode and then having somebody go through and find the highlights or whatever it might be. But I think it's easier to almost plan your content in a way that it's designed to be repurposed. And so you can kind of know, and like you you came into this with a list of questions and you can kind of go, okay, this question is going to probably be a good short unless Jerry totally tanks his answer or whatever it might be. And so for all of anyone who's starting a YouTube channel or getting going, you can plan your videos in ways that you know you'll be able to pull clips out of it. And it makes the repurposing so much faster and easier. I launched a new podcast this year. The whole thing was designed specifically for repurposing from the beginning. I already know what's going to get yeah. pulled out of it before we do it. Nobody listening would think that. But that's just the way that we've planned it ahead of time. Yeah. And it's actually a skill to do that. If you think about media production as an industry that a lot of the time people talk about storyboarding because they want to see scene by scene what's happening. What Jerry Jerry's describing there is how when you've gone through that process in an industry, it's already in your brain. And so I say to people, and this is why we talk about not holding back from getting that first video out, just accept the first video is not going to be great. But what will happen mm -hmm. is, you know, then you'll start storyboarding in your head to, as Jerry describes, pick out those moments where you know you'll be able to get the short out of it because you've aligned it in your head well enough to do it and and actually i also talk about like how you film stuff with the view of the edit whilst you're filming it that's another skill that mm -hmm. you learn because you get to an edit and then you think oh if only i'd have said that this way or if only i'd have filmed that with this angle as well i would have been able to use that and you can't really go back a lot of the time to do it maybe in mine and 
Jerry's case in in this kind of studio scenario you can but if you're filming something on the road you don't get a chance to do it again so you've got to kind of be agile and think about those different shots that you want for the edit which kind of goes out the window right if you don't brief your editor very well when you send it for outsourcing all of that what was in your head probably doesn't come out very well to translate and you're just at the mercy of the editors so yeah I think it's really important what you've just said about the process that you go through um, okay, so I think last couple of questions, really. I would say you talked about not changing much with your YouTube stuff over the last six years, but you, you had the idea. It, was there anyone that had a kind of big influence on you during this whole process? I think you talked about someone offline before, but anyone that you can think of or a couple of people that might have helped you with how you pieced it all together? Yeah, well... Um... You know, the, the person that I would uh, credit more than um, anybody is Justin Brown from Primal Video. And uh, I'm honored to call him a friend now. But before I, he knew who I was, I was watching his videos before. And I don't think he even had, I'm in his membership now, but he, he didn't even have a paid membership back then. I was just watching his tutorials. And so that was a big part of how I got my strategy in the very beginning. I was signing up for anything free they offered. I was signing up for the email list and just trying to learn. And everybody, there's somebody out there that will resonate with everybody. And, you know, hopefully Matthew is 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 your guy for this, because when you stick with one person, you can really learn a lot and the way that the, the systems and everything flow together. So, but yeah, always happy to give a shout out to Justin. He's so giving and creative with everything that he's done. And I yeah. wouldn't be here without him. We finally got to hang out in person where you and I did at Social Media Marketing World this year, which was cool too. Yeah, it was great to meet Justin because I'm the same. I, I consumed so much of Justin's content ahead of that time. And I think I was at Atomic when he did something online, when they did something during lockdown. And uh, again, getting to meet him was really great. And, you know, for me, I, I think I've got people that are in my membership and that or my previous membership and in my programs and stuff that follow me for what I'm doing. But equally, I'm in Justin's membership and I'm in a bunch of others as well. Like you never really stop learning. And we talked no. you talked about us doing similar things. Like, of course, because we're all in the creator space, you know, we're all part of that and we just do things in a different way and that's okay. And, and so I really like that. One of the things I really liked about marketing and the events that I've been to is I don't really meet any douchebags along the way. There's the people every now and again, you meet someone, you're like, oh God, I can't spend any more time with that guy. But for the most part, people are so giving, they know what it feels like to be on video number one or day number one. And that's why I love the stories and, and you telling us more about your story, because it, there's so much value that you can pick up in, in the little intricacies of things you, that you're saying. So Definitely, if you get a chance to go to some marketing events, and hey, don't forget TubeFest, which is coming May 23rd in the UK, as it is right now next year, but that will come around as quick as you can imagine. I'd love to get Justin there. I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year, but we'll see. Still got to have a conversation with people like Justin. So great. Thanks for sharing that. Definitely a, a good person to follow. I will link to Justin in the um, primal video in the show notes as well. Finally, then tell us a little bit Jerry, about what you do, what your programs are, how you help people, uh, and how we can find out more about you then. Yeah, my main mission is to help business owners and entrepreneurs reach the clients that they need. And we had this massive shift over the last year and a half on social media platforms with YouTube Shorts, Facebook and Instagram Reels, and TikTok videos, where now we can put out content, organic content for free, and get in front of people that we don't have to pay you know, money to ads 
to reach people that are that want to hear about our stuff. In the grand scheme, I'm happy to help all business owners with all social media, but I've really been narrowing down on these short form videos and helping people get free leads. I teach a framework called the date framework, and it's all about how to take somebody from being a stranger to a buyer. And if you want to learn more about that or learn more about me, I mean, you can find me lots of places, obviously, 5minutesocialmedia.com, but I encourage you to go check out dateyourfollowers.com and you can take a free class there and learn how that works. Because I think if you've got something people want, they should hear about it and they want to hear about it. And now we can do that without delving into the confusing world of paid ads, wait, losing thousands of dollars before we know what we're doing. Brilliant. I love that. Date your followers. Good. It's fascinating to hear about, I don't know about you, Jerry, but I've got about a million domain names in my control panel, <laughs> but it's fascinating because we, as entrepreneurs, we buy these domain names when we have the ideas and then some of them mm -hmm. like, um, uh, we've got a CRM product called Last CRM. I think I bought it in 2015. We didn't launch it until uh, the start of this year. You know, it's just sat there. So date your followers. That's great. Thanks so much for your time, Jerry. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you sharing your story. There's so much gold in there. And the thing is, I don't know where these interviews are going to go and w what's going to happen, but I know when I meet good people and they've got a great story to tell, then people will definitely get something out of it. So I really appreciate your time uh, to come and share that with me uh, today. Thanks so much, everyone that's listened. Don't forget, you can join for free the YouTube community, which is youtubecommunity.co.uk. And I think that's all we've got to say, really. I don't really have a jingle for an outro either. So we're just probably going to end it there in some really sharp, shocking way. <laughs> we should. Jerry's like, no, no, I worked on the radio. We had a lovely jingle for the outro. <laughs> Uh, well, on the radio, we'd be going to commercial right now. So, uh, but Matt, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, love talking about this stuff. No, no worries. Thanks so much. Wicked. Bye-bye, everyone.